G'day, and welcome to Talking CTF, the official podcast of the Australian Controlled Traffic Farming Association. Over the next few weeks, we'll be bringing you a series of interviews with leading researchers and some great farmers from right around Australia, and we're going to be talking all things CTF. If you want to know more about ACFA or controlled traffic farming, you could start at our website at www.acfa.net, where you can join as a member and receive our quarterly magazine, Controlled Traffic Farming Australia. So thank you for joining us today, and let's get to today's exciting guest. G'day, and welcome to Talking CTF, and this is episode three. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Bindi Espista, and Bindi has recently been elected as chair of the Australian Controlled Traffic Farming Association Board. And Bindi is an environmental scientist with more than 20 years experience in agriculture research and extension. And she grew up on a mixed farm in Cojanup in Western Australia, where her dad passed on his passion for sustainable agriculture. And Bindi works two days a week for the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development as a research scientist on soil amelioration projects. She also works part-time for agrarian management as a precision agriculture consultant. And Bindi has developed extensive knowledge of controlled traffic farming and precision agriculture, working on state and national projects. And these include writing the NAC Controlled Traffic Farming Technical Manual in 2013. That is a revised version of the original Tramline Farming Manual she wrote back in 2003. And all this talk of machinery means she's now got her tire kicking skills down to a fine art. So let's hear from Bindi. Welcome, Bindi. Oh, g'day, Bindi, and welcome to Talking CTF, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks very much for having me, Graham. You've recently been elected to the position of chair of the Australian Controlled Traffic Farming Association. Can you just tell us a bit about ACFA and what role it plays uh, in agriculture and controlled traffic in general? Yeah, ACFA is a not-for-profit organisation that was established in 2007 by a group of people who saw CTF as the best way to enhance soils for plant production and improve crop productivity in Australia. So we see our role as a way to provide a mechanism um, for farmers to adopt controlled traffic so they can share their information and experiences including um, source information that's been generated through research or connections with the industry. ACFA is run by a board of uh, 10 volunteers who are farmers, consultants and researchers, and um, we have three part-time staff um, that help us with um, running activities and events as well. Oh, that's great. So let's move into controlled traffic farming, Bindi, and There'll be listeners to this podcast that may not be familiar what CTF is. Could you just explain briefly, in a nutshell, what controlled traffic farming is? Essentially, it's making roads and root beds in the paddock. So controlled traffic farming is matching the wheel track spacing and the operating width of all cropping machinery so that you can find the uh, cropping traffic to permanent wheel tracks and the crops can grow in uncompacted root beds. Yeah, and so what are the sort of benefits of implementing a CTF uh, system for a farmer, Bindi? 
Yeah, Graham, there's a whole range of benefits. I guess primarily um, controlled traffic farming is about compaction control. So by not compacting the soil, uh, this leads to better uh, soil structure. So it allows the plant roots to, to grow deeper into the soil profile and take up more water and nutrients. Um, as a result, also it get, you can have better water infiltration, which is certainly proving to be a benefit um, in our environment where we're getting less rainfall. It also allows um, more micro and macro fauna to grow in uncompacted soils and particularly earth uh, worms and termites. So many controlled traffic farmers notice an increase of earthworms if they're in higher rainfall areas or, or termites if they're in um, low rainfall areas in Western Australia. So research has also found that you can have um, better grain yield, uh, which can range from 2 to 16% um, improvement in grain yield depending on soil type and better grain quality. So in the eastern states, you might hear them say that the benefit of controlled traffic can be much higher. Sometimes they say 30 to 50%. And often that's because when they adopt controlled traffic over in the eastern states, they adopt it with minimum till as well as controlled traffic. Whereas over here in Western Australia, we have had um, no-tills been a part of our system for a long time. So the, um, the benefits we've seen in our research is more just the addition of managing that compaction. Some of the other benefits that you see uh, in controlled traffic are things like better trafficability because you're running on firm wheel tracks. So there's less rolling resistance and better traction. This leads to 35% less fuel use running on uh, firm wheel tracks. And research has also shown that it has the potential to reduce nitrous oxide emissions, uh, which is a potent greenhouse gas by up to 30 to 50%. So firm wheel tracks also allows you to improve the timeliness of your operations and you're able to get into the crop uh, when it's wet. And one farmer did tell us the other day that he found last year where he had a wet season that he was able to get in and spray using his... Um, sprayer compared to his neighbours who had to bring in the aeroplanes. So he estimated that his spraying costs were about $5 a hectare compared to $17 to $20 if he'd had to get the plane in. There's also other benefits of control traffic from less overlap, better fertiliser efficiency, um, and it opens the door for many other agronomic opportunities because you need a guidance system when you use control traffic farming and ideally a precise guidance system down to two centimetres, it's much repeatable and it allows you to get back in and do things such as relay planting, which is seeding back between old crop rows or even deep ripping between ride rows and just being very precise about your placements of inputs. And it can improve uh, stubble management at seeding as well because you can seed right next to last year's stubble. So the better crop growth and um, soil properties, so better water infiltration and stubble cover, also just reduces that uh, risk of wind and water erosion. So there's a whole range of benefits, I guess, of controlled traffic, and it's quite hard um, just to look at compaction control. You need to actually consider um, the other farming system benefits that it offers you. Okay. So a farmer out there looking to start and make that transition to CTF Bindi, where do they sort of look for resources or how do they get a start and what help is out there for them to do that? 
So to look for resources, well, the ACFA website, um, ACFA.net, I think it is, um, is a great place to start. There's lots of resources there. Otherwise, the Department of Agriculture in Western Australia, or uh, DPIRD as we're now called, they also have a lot of information on CTF and so do um, GRDC. So there are four key things I think that need to be considered when you're setting up an, um, a CTF system. And that is, first of all, you need to choose whether you're going to work in imperial or metric. So um, people often forget that um, 12 metres is actually not 40 feet. It's uh, 40 feet is 12.2 metres. So that's something to be aware of when you're starting to um, select machinery. Um, the other one is you need to select an operating width and it must be multiples of the smallest machine. For example, the most common um, machinery set up in CTF at the moment is 12 metres, so a 12-metre seeder or, and a 12-metre harvester and then a 36-metre um, boom spray. The other thing you need to do is choose a wheel track spacing. And again, uh, the most common is about three metres. Um, but it is important to remember that um, three metres was a very common wheel track spacing 15 years ago. But as machinery is getting bigger, it's actually getting harder to match machines to three metres. So it's important to have a look at what your machinery fleet is and maybe using a slightly wider wheel track spacing of 3.2 or 3.4 might be applicable. And then finally, once you've considered those things, it's needing to put a machinery investment plan in place. Okay, so once you've got that system up and running, Bindi, how long is it till you sort of see the benefits of a controlled traffic farming system? How long does that take? Yeah, I think that's a very good question, Graham, and I think it depends. Um, I think it's probably easier to see a benefit in if you've got mostly sandy soils, a short-term benefit anyway in sandy soils where you've been deep ripping uh, because 80% of compaction happens in the first pass. So if you've deep ripped and then you run straight back over it, you can visibly see um, that the soil gets compacted and you can see an impact on plant growth, um, which is less. I think in heavier soils um, it's, it's perhaps a longer and, and it happens over time it can be quite hard for farmers to put their finger on um, a yield benefit or, or a profit that they've gained from controlled traffic farming because it's one of those situations where you're either all in or you're all out. So it's quite hard. Once you set up all your machinery to match, it's quite hard to drive randomly on the paddock. I think, though, some farmers, particularly in the eastern states and, and even in Western Australia, in low rainfall areas, have begun to notice the effect of their controlled traffic farming um, in dry seasons where often they've been able to have crops and their neighbours haven't grown such a good crop. So that's where you start to see the benefits of, of um, good soil structure and also having no-till and just general um, better agronomy practices. So where can a farmer actually access information on the science and research that's been done on CTF or is currently being done, Bindi? What sort of some of the stuff out there they can look at? Yeah, so as well as the um, websites I suggested um, visiting, which is the ACFA one, the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in WA and the JDC, there are a couple of manuals that have been written on control traffic. So there's one um, that I wrote in 2013 uh, with NAC, 
it's a controlled traffic farming manual that has a really good um, basis of the principles of controlled traffic farming and some case studies. And more recently, ACFA has um, written a controlled traffic farming manual for the low rainfall farming system uh, in the eastern states, which was the outcome of a GRDC project that ACFA uh, was involved in coordinating. Oh, that's great. So, Bindi, is there any evidence-based economical economic studies out there on the uh, increase in profitability with the CTF system for farmers? Is there somewhere they can look at the dollars and cents of it? <laughs> um. I know James Hagen's done some work. We talked to him in the early first two editions of this podcast. So that'd be a good place to start, I would have thought. Yeah, James James has um, done some for sure. And there are some in our um, crop updates work that Paul Blackwell and I would have, have done um, perhaps in the early 2000s uh, and some case studies that are also in the um, CTF manual. Um, but I think, you know, another tool that they can perhaps play with to have a look at the economics of it would be to have a look at the CTF calculator. Um, which is a calculator that was put together by Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development and GRDC Project in collaboration with project partners um, such as ACFA and um, a wide range of other partners. And if they go into that site, you can actually put in your machinery um, widths and wheel track spacings and then have a look at um, and estimate the benefit of changing to control traffic if you actually change some of your machine reconfigurations. So there's some um, research values or, or the benefits of CTF are actually in there. So you can actually calculate a potential benefit um, for your farming system, um, adding in your own prices and, and yields um, and seeing what would happen if you reduce the area of the paddock that was wheeled and moved into a control traffic farming system. Yeah, so obviously when farmers do move into a controlled traffic farming system, there's sort of traps, pitfalls, mistakes, that sort of thing. What are some of the common mistakes that you've seen when farmers are setting up a CTF system for other farmers to learn from? Oh, look, I think one of the most common things that I've seen is where they've measured the seeding bar time to time and then they've cut off... um, um, like taken off a tyre and when they've got out to the paddock, they've realised that they actually forgot to account for an extra row spacing. Um, so it's really important when you take your measurements that you remember things like that when you're measuring your um, air seeder bar to actually measure time to time and then add a row spacing. I think another, um, I'm not sure it's a common mistake, but I think one of the lessons learned that people have found is it, um, layout planning is really important with controlled traffic farming. So the con- wheel tracks can actually act like drains and run water. So it's really important when you're laying out your controlled traffic farming system and setting up your AB lines um, and, and the direction of your AB lines that you actually take into account uh, the elevation and your, your landscape and look at where the water's flowing Um, making sure that you're not getting water feeding into those wheel tracks. Because we did see a few years ago down in um, southern WA where we had a really high rainfall event in summer, we did see um, erosion down those wheel tracks. So it's really important that you consider water uh, movement and management down the landscape when you're planning your CTF system. 
and also manage your wheel tracks because over time the wheel tracks do become deeper. Uh, so it's important that you actually um, maintain them and you might, oh, some people do use dedicated wheel track renovators, which is a machine that will help um, drag the soil back into the, the wheel tracks and actually reduce the depth of them so they don't act like a drain. Yeah, there's a lot of myths around controlled traffic farming obviously out there, you know, with people thinking about the adoption. Can you sort of debunk some of those myths that are commonly used out there? Yeah, I think there are two main myths around controlled traffic. So the first one is that controlled traffic farming is expensive. And over the last 20 years, looking at the farmer case studies that we've done, the average cost of uh, implementing a troll traffic farming system is about $40,000. And that cost goes around things like uh, a guidance system and modifying your wheel track spacings and even perhaps adding a tine or a nozzle. So these days there's a lot more machinery that is available um, for controlled traffic compared to 20 years ago. So people are, off, I think, are less likely to do their own modifications. And machinery is getting so much more expensive um, that it is seems like I think that you have to have a new machine, but that's not always the case. Sometimes it is you are able to modify um, wheel tracks, axles, and still keep within your warranties. So it doesn't always have to mean a brand-new machine that makes it look expensive. The other myth... That's the other myth um, I think that's common is that you can't have livestock in a controlled traffic farming system. And I um, think this is a myth because uh, I'm not sure if that's just being a sheep farmer's daughter. So I see the value of having sheep in the system. But sheep can still work in a controlled traffic farming system. It's more about um, management of, of the sheep and not letting overgrazing because overgrazing, particularly on those heavy soils, uh, in, in wet conditions can cause smearing and reduce infiltration. But many farm, I've seen many examples of successful controlled traffic farms where they've integrated sheep um, into their farming system. And sometimes sheep, or they're a bit lazy, a bit like humans, and they'll take the path of least resistance. So they do often walk up and down the tram lines uh, where some farmers in WA have used that to their advantage by putting chaff on their tram lines and the sheep will actually eat the chaff. Or you can put your watering points at the end of um, a wheel track so that the sheep will sort of naturally walk down the track. So I think um, they, there is still a fit. Some farmers will also have dedicated cropping and dedicated stock paddocks, um, and that uh, can be a good way to manage it as well. So with the research side of it, Bindi, What's currently sort of going on? What are you actually currently working on yourself? Are you doing anything in the controlled traffic farming space or is there anything coming up? Well, the work that I'm doing in controlled traffic farming is more about extension and, and development um, and helping, I guess, the, the research I'm doing is more on soil amelioration and management. So controlled traffic farming is a way of protecting that investment into soil amelioration. And the work with controlled traffic is more with ACFA and actually helping farmers to adopt controlled traffic by providing support through workshops and articles and other material. So let's talk about soil amelioration, Bindi, and can you just explain what that is and why and where it needs to be done? 
Yeah. So soil amelioration is about fixing soil constraints. So we have a, a range of soil types uh, in WA and even, in fact, across Australia, and some have natural inherent constraints and others have man-made constraints. So compaction, I guess, is an example of a, a man-made constraint where um, it's induced by machinery. So a form of soil amelioration for compaction is actually um, deep ripping. So deep ripping sand um, is, is required to mechanically remove that compaction because unlike clay soils that have some natural shrinking soil capacity, um, clays don't. So, uh, sorry, sand doesn't. So if you don't drive on the clay soil in a controlled traffic farming system, you'll find that the soil can naturally shrink and swell and will become softer over time. But our clays, um, they don't, and compaction is up at a level that's stopping plant root growth. So that's where um, deep ripping can help you remove that compaction. It also includes ameliorating other constraints such as um, non-wetting soil, which is also very common in sands, um, or it could be applying an ameliorant or a, yeah, such as lime or gypsum to fix either acid soils if it's, and we need to apply lime, or for sodic soils, sometimes applying gypsum can help. Yeah, you've also presented a paper, of course, on soil amelioration bloopers. And I guess just like setting up a CTF system, there's mistakes there. So can you tell us about some of those bloopers and what farmers um, sort of make mistakes with the soil amelioration side of it? Yeah, we always, um, as researchers, tend to tell the good stories, don't we? That's why um, I thought it was a good opportunity to talk about soil amelioration bloopers. And I guess, I don't know, the definition of a blooper is an embarrassing mistake. And I don't know that all the bloopers are necessarily embarrassing unless they're in the front paddock. And then my um, someone did suggest to me, if you made a blooper in the front paddock, just put some pegs around it and we'll call it a trial. But some of the bloopers that um, have occurred are, um, for example, uh, if using a delver, which is a deep ripper with um, deep tines that dig down to sometimes down to a metre and they pull up clay soil. So it's a method of, um, one, removing compaction and, two, reducing non-wetting. So some people have found that they've actually um, dug up some sodic clay in, if they've got a duplex soil and then that's had a, had a negative benefit on yield. So once you actually make a mistake with soil amelioration, like pull up clay or big rocks, it's actually quite hard to put them back. So it's important um, before you do amelioration where you are going to be turning up the subsoil that you actually understand um, what is underneath. So is it a hostile subsoil that you might not want to bring up? Uh, another um, mistake is, um, yeah, the deep ripping, I guess, is um, bringing up, can bring up huge rocks if you don't understand, um, if, if you're not sure that they're there. So it is possible to use different types of information such as um, gamma radiometrics um, that can help you actually map out your rocky areas. So you could use the um, ripper to lift up and over. Yep. So with the future of farming and agriculture in general, Bindi, and obviously you're in a pretty good position to comment on this, what do you see as maybe the next big step change? What's it going to be, do you think? Well, I actually think um, soil amelioration is potentially our, our current big step change. 
particularly with some of our um, amelioration that involves mechanical uh, mixing with spading and, and deep ripping. So research by the Department of Agriculture, or, sorry, Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development and JDC projects, we often see a benefit of, of those of um, half a tonne to a tonne. And so that's quite incredible, I think, um, in terms of, of lifting yield potential. Um, you know, the other incremental change I guess we saw earlier on was um, no-till and all the benefits that that had. So I think, yeah, soil amelioration um, is potentially a big gain. And then, of course, the other opportunity is once you ameliorate the soil and fix the constraints, you change the yield potential. So then it'll be about, um, you know, our agronomy is, I guess, ever improving. So it's being able to match your input application to the new potential, yield potential of those soils. Oh, that's great. So just finally, uh, for farmers that, you know, obviously want to join ACFA or that sort of thing, they can head over to the website, www.acfa.net, and they can hit the subscribe uh, button there. And there is a magazine for them as well, isn't there, Bindi, that you contribute to? Yeah, there is. There's a, a magazine that comes out a, f- a few times a year and it has a range of articles uh, on um, latest research, different machinery and pharma case studies. So it's a it's a very good resource if you're looking for information on controlled traffic farming. And I guess it's also the opportunity um, and I encourage another great resource is other farmers that are doing CTF. So CTF is a really simple concept, but it can be quite hard to implement because it actually goes across all aspects of the farming system and all operations. So I really encourage people who are wanting to get into CTF to actually have a chat to some of the farmers and the farmer members on our board are always happy to have a chat um, and talk to you. Perhaps they can share some of their, their tips and tricks about how they've implemented controlled traffic farming. Yeah, and you can find those farmers' contacts details. Uh, there are on the ACFA board at the website as well. But, Bindi, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure talking to you today and uh, thank you for talking to us here on Talking CTF. Yeah, thanks very much, Graeme. It's been great. I look forward to it another time. Okay, thank you. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Bindi. Really enjoyed that. And uh, thank you. And I think you're a wealth of knowledge and uh, a real inspiration and shining light for everybody in the controlled traffic farming community. And thank you for all the hard work that you do do uh, for ACFA and everybody out there in the research that you conduct. So also, just to recap, that you can find more information out about controlled traffic farming at the website www.acfa.net. You can also join as a member there you can receive the quarterly magazine Controlled Traffic Farming Australia, the only dedicated CTF magazine in the world. So coming up next week, we've got a farmer joining us and Luke Clark and Luke is from South Australia. And we're going to run through Luke's CTF journey from the beginning to where he is now. So stay tuned for that one. So in the meantime, be well, be safe, and we'll join you next week here on Talking CTF. <music>